Welcome to Do That Well. I'm your host, Brenda Brown, and with me, my fantastic, fabulous friend, Karen Thrall. That's me. That's you. (laughs) Today on Do That Well, we are going to talk about reciprocity and how reciprocity can strengthen your relationships, whether that be at work, in your community, or with your friends and family. To really whittle it down to its bare essence, reciprocity is a mutual exchange. So then this episode becomes, how do we mutually exchange well? What does the act of mutual exchange look like? Where where does it take place? Who does it take place with? So to understand how to do reciprocity well, we're going to first explain what reciprocity is, and then we're going to break this down into three different types of reciprocity. So there's the matcher, the giver, and the taker. From there, you'll understand where you fall and where the people around you fall. And then you'll, and then, and then there's more, and then (laughs) we'll dive into how that all fits together. So how you take this concept of being a matcher, a giver, a taker, and then how to actuate it so that you are doing reciprocity well. Karen, for the purposes of this episode, what are we saying reciprocity is? So it is, it is part of our civilization. That is a for sure thing. It's been with humanity forever. And that is that thing of return a favor for a favor. And it's it's a natural instinct that we have when someone does something kind, you do something in kind back. And that's where pay it forward comes in. So reciprocity is all about I receive something and I'm going to give it away or give it back in some shape or form. So it's a very cool, healthy vibrant part of relationships, whether in the workplace or personally. And the nice thing about it is in the workplace, it's going to be very different. It's going to look different and it's still equally valuable. So I'm excited about this because for us to learn what is truly a giver when it comes to reciprocating mutual exchange, we got to remember the word mutual exchange. What is that when you're a giver? What is mutual exchange when you're a giver? Well, what if you're a taker? What's mutual exchange? And what if you are a matcher? How does that look? So very, I think it's super important for us. And I know for me, I've learned so much about it. And I'm just very excited about this episode. (laughs) We have a lot to cover today. This is actually a really dense topic. And once Karen and I dove into it, we realized how much there really is here to talk about. So we are going to breeze through a few of these concepts a little bit quicker and really spend our meat and bone, really spend our time with the meat and bones. However, I really want to say that this is one episode that we want to hear from you guys. So if there is something that we just touch on and you want to hear more about it, let us know because There is a lot here. Mm -hmm. To jump right in, let's talk about this matcher, giver, taker. Mm -hmm. What what is that? What are we Mm -hmm. talking about? (laughs) So the there it is a there's a behavioral study that's social reciprocity, and that's where it comes from. So you have your generalized, which is a giver, you have your balanced, which is a matcher, and you have your negative, which is a taker. Often, especially when I'm coaching, many people fault on being givers. Now, hear that. Hear how I said that. Fault on being givers. That, how is that even possible to have those two words in the same sentence? 
sometimes people overgive. And when they're not getting anything in return, it, it's, it wanes on them. It becomes wearisome because then they, you'll hear often, why am I the only one giving? I'm always giving. Or why do I attract takers? And yeah, why, why is that happening? So this thing, this nobility of giving, but now it's costing you, it's discouraging you, you, feel, you don't feel connected, you feel alone in the relationship or in the friendship or at work. It's because there's more to giving than just giving. There is a reciprocation that is also supposed to happen. So we want to identify that. So that's the first one I think we should talk about is the giver. Definitely. And what I liked a moment ago is you said that each of these is going to look very different in the workplace than in your personal life. And I think this is one of the first topics that we've talked about where there is such a strong delineation between the way that it's going to be actuated depending on the setting. And what I'm curious is what is an example of a giver in the workplace compared to an example of a giver in personal life? Okay. So a giver in the workplace, there's an expression in, in um, the professional world called servant leadership. So it's the, I, I will serve my team and I will model to them what it means to serve one another. And so the leader takes responsibility to model to their team. This is what service looks like. And that's wonderful. And what you hear often is, but they're still not getting what they need from the team. How could their servant leadership, the giving, why is the team not performing to their standards? So that would be an example when you're giving and you're not seeing the outcome. All right. The other cool thing about professionals, and I thought this was really cool, givers don't uh, rise to the top because they're serving other people. So they're not rising to the top in, and that's where they want to go is to the top. So sometimes their giving isn't going to get them where they want to go because there's no reciprocation to it. At the same time, the paradox is when they give, they're creating a culture of long-lasting, happy employees. So at the end of their life, <laughs> it's very rewarding to know that they invested in a group of people. So which one do you want? And sometimes, so I'm saying you can do both. You can still be true to your servant leadership, to serving and giving to your team and rise and continue to grow in your career and your professional aspirations. So that'd be professional. And I like that this, what you're saying that you can have both because I mm -hmm. do think that especially in a professional setting, there often is this idea, well, it, you're, it can be one or the other because that's just the way that this is going to result. But I, I, I want to hear more about how we can have both because okay. I want to have my cake and eat it too. Yes, <laughs> you do. So get, when we are givers, there is great joy. There is no desire for something in return. That is a true giver with reciprocation. To hear someone go, thank you, isn't that is all that is necessary. So when you are a giver and you have a tremendous joy in you 
to give without getting anything back, you're fine. You're radiating. The chances of that wearing out on you, if you only focus on being a giver, it's going to take some joy away because you're going to start feeling tired and isolated and dishonored or disrespected or any of those things. So to have both is you can still be a giver until you're no longer joyful with it. Then you're not a giver anymore. Now you have an agenda. Now you have expectations, unspoken expectations, and now you feel it's one-sided. So that beautiful thing of giving has now been a little bit altered. And what will fix that is if you also be a matcher, be a giver and be a matcher. And that will, that will fix that, those feelings of feeling like you've, you're not being respected or honored in, in your professional or personal relationship in both. It reminds me of when we talked about leadership styles. There's this idea that you might be stronger or naturally ebb towards being a giver or a taker or a matcher, but there's this idea that they all do live within us, however. So even though you might be strongest in one or you naturally tend to give, you can still strengthen the matcher muscle so that you know how to utilize all three of these kinds. Mm -hmm. Yes. And if I use on a personal, well, what does it look like personally? Some of the classic examples would be um, you are shoveling your driveway and you look across the street and, well, I'm already out here. I'll go do my neighbor's driveway as well. And you just start and you with joy, you don't, You don't feel obligated to. You want to. When your giving starts to feel like you're obligated, you're not in the giver reciprocity. You're not reciprocating. Giving is going to have an outcome. And if you feel obligated, then it's no longer called giving. You're feeling a pressure. So if you're, you go and you shovel your neighbor's yard and they knock on their window, they go, what are you doing? What? What? And they're mouthing, stop it. And you're like, you're waving and you blow them a kiss. And you're like, it's okay. And you just wave and you keep doing it. <sighs> that felt great because you were in control. You chose to go give. And you chose to go give and get nothing in return. That is a form of reciprocity. The return for you, the reward for you is the joy you saw on their face. That's it. However, now the neighbor has just, they're a taker right now. So they just took a gift from their neighbor. And for to turn that around, they have to go, how can I reciprocate? What can I do to give back? And they never forget what just happened. So they have two options. They can go, I want to figure out how to reciprocate, how to give back. Or, you know what, I'm going to pay it forward. And I'm going to go shovel my neighbor's yard. And they go shovel their neighbor's yard. What are you doing? Oh, well, so-and-so shoveled my yard. And I thought, oh, I'll just shovel yours. What goes around comes around. Or I'm paying it forward or whatever. And then the, the ripple effect. So it's very powerful if you can see matching. So in, a, in your personal relationship, calling relationships again to remember to reciprocate. And that how you reciprocate is going, what can I do in return? How can I return this favor? And I do believe it's, that's starting to be a lost art a little bit. 
And I hear often how people feel like they have a lot of takers around them. And part of that is your own personal journey. But part of that too is let's, let's call everybody. Let's, let's rise the occasion and be givers and matchers. Since you did touch on the taker for a moment, I, I want to actually get a little more information on the taker. Because as you said, I think in we're trying to move towards being givers and matchers. I think that is the the ideal here when it comes to reciprocity because that's where the most mutual exchange is going to happen. With matching, it's it's built into the name of being a matcher that there's this mutual exchange. And with giving, as you said, the idea is that the reward is knowing that you made someone's day or knowing that you made someone happy, knowing that you were able to assist somebody and and hope that it's either going to come back around someday or they're going to pay it forward, uh, that somehow that karma, so to speak, is, you know, it's out there and it's doing its thing. But the taker, as you said, I, I do think that that's one that a lot of us find, I know that I've felt like I've encountered takers. I know I've heard my friends, you know, <laughs> talk about this. And what does that look like to be a taker? What if, what if you're somebody that's just sitting here as a taker and you don't even realize it? What what yes. might some of that behavior look like? So good. A great question. You think about, hey, if you're giving, I'll take it. Have you heard that? Have you heard that expression. Well, if you're giving, I'll take it. Anybody, anybody wants a chocolate bar? If you're giving, I'll take it. It's um, many times takers, their intentions aren't to be offensive or selfish. They just took the opportunity that was handed to them. They didn't look to their left and they didn't look to their right. And they went, yes, mine. I'll do, I'll do it. And they're looking at how it's going to benefit them. And they're like, of course, I'm going to take that. It benefits me. This is going to help me get somewhere. And so, so okay, the, the, the downfall of a taker is they rise very quickly because they have, their eyes are set. Their eyes are set on, on success or aspirations or whatever they, their desire is. So their heart's set on that. They'll rise quickly because nothing's in their way. They're, they're going for it. But they also fall quickly. Because in the law of reciprocity, taking can only go to you so far. And eventually people start figuring it out. And they, the matchers, the matchers are like, uh-uh, no, 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 no. And the givers are like, well, I'm not, I, I don't want to give to you anymore because it's not fun anymore. So eventually the taker uh, loses steam, which is sad because many takers probably don't even know that they're going to lose steam. And then they just repeat their cycle again. So that would be, and I, I got to say, I, I was really reflecting on myself and I thought, what is, when am I a taker? I have, so I did this, um, it took me about 30 minutes. I did this, this questionnaire. Are you a giver, taker, matcher? So I had a small percentage. I had 9% of me was a taker and I went, well, Nine percent of me is a taker, so there's a taker in there. And I really reflected. Like I sat on the couch and I thought, no, come on, Karen, be honest, be honest with yourself. When are you a taker? And I figured it out. When I'm going through a, hard, a difficult challenge, 
and I need and I need to uh, vent if I need to vent. I don't even think of asking the person I'm venting to how they're doing. So my sister, a shout out to my sister, Nancy. Uh, a few years ago, I was several years ago, I was going through a really difficult time. And she was my go-to person. And I never would ask how she's doing. She just listened patiently. One day, um, it was her birthday, and I forgot. And I called her. I said, hey, can we talk? In other words, can I talk and you listen? And she lovingly was like, sure, talk to me. And I forgot it was her birthday. Didn't wish her happy birthday, hung up the phone. And the next day I went, I forgot to wish my sister a happy birthday. I'm, that is a wonderful example of a taker. And as my healing continued, um, we that that went away, that died. So now my sister and I, our conversations are very back and forth, back and forth. But at that time, I was very self-referenced with her. And that would be an example of a taker. If, if your emotions dominate a conversation, I would suggest that's when you're being a taker. At least that's how I am. And to learn how, it, when my emotions are, are charged, what do I hope to get in return? If that's what I'm going to give out as emotional charge, well, what am I, what, like, what's in it for them? <laughs> so that would be, that's what I think. One, one example of a taker would be that. That is really, thank you for sharing that story. That's really eye-opening for me because as you were telling that story, I can think of times in my life where I've had friends that are going through something and I think when people are going through hard time or when they are really lost, as you said, like in their own emotional state, I think it can be really natural to go into a taker, you know, uh, position in those circumstances. Uh, and for me, I think that I tend to, I probably do all of them, but I think I, I tend to be more on like the giver matcher side of things. Um, and for me, it's always like no question. Yeah, you're having a hard time. Like, let's hear it. But it's just an, it's a very eye opening concept for me because I've never thought of it in that way. And I can actually even think of my own life in times where my mental health hasn't been optimal, uh, to to put it lightly. And and you know, I've actually even had times where I've identified like, wow, I was being a taking friend or I wasn't being a good friend to this person because I was so involved with my own stuff. So interesting. Mm -hmm. I think the message I would say to takers is all of us find that taker in you and challenge it. So if you're a taker in a relationship and you're so used to being pampered, let's say, let's say you're really used to being pampered and you're the princess or you're the prince and of the relationship maybe pull back a bit and go, I do receive a lot in this relationship. What do I offer back? What uh, can I return back to them? What not necessarily what you would like, they may not like what you like, and, but what can you do that would give them great joy that isn't asked? They don't ask. You just know that it would make them happy. 
So if you're in a relationship where you are lavished and you're cared for and you're taken care of and you are the recipient, um, I definitely would ask for you to stop your world and measure your how much of a giver am I to in this relationship and where can I increase my giving? Where can I increase my giving? Where I'm delighted to give to this person. If that doesn't live inside you, I would say maybe maybe it's time to rethink the relationship. If if you've lost that thing where you don't you don't even want to give back, <laughs> maybe there's something here that's that's deeper than just reciprocity. Maybe there's something going on inside you that's deeper that you need to wrestle with or, or think through or go to your friends. And, confide in them. That's a very valid statement. <laughs> I, I agree with you, Karen. I I think that if you can't find that balance or if you can't find the reciprocity and you're finding that there's just a lot of taking, that's, that's not doing reciprocity well. And so I think at that point, it would be time to reevaluate what, what's going on there. Now, we, we need to talk about the matcher because as we've identified, the matcher and the giver, those are, those are the two that you want. Oh, no. Microphone down. Those are the two that you want to, to be mostly living in. Yeah. So what does it look like to be a matcher? Mm-hmm. I, I have several friends who are – Man, they they just get the gold medal for matching. One is they call in their favors. So so I have one friend in particular, and he is such a giver, but boy, does he call in his favors. And when he makes that, when he sends that text or he makes that phone call, I have yet to see someone say no to him. So he is an incredible giver, but he calls in for the favor or he he negotiates. So sure, I'll do that. And how about if you do this? And this thing of, and I think this is, I'm glad we're, we're ending on this because I think this is the thing that most people have a hard time doing. It is part of our civilization. It is part of humanity to ask for something in return. This guilt where I can't ask for anything in return, there's no guilt you can. You can ask for something in return. So example, in the workplace, your boss comes to you and says, we are so close to getting this project done. I know that if we stay a couple hours after work, we'll have it done. I really need you. How about if I'll pay you those extra hours? Would you join me? That is matching. If your boss says to you, I need you to stay after work two hours, we're going to get this project done, period, and there's nothing in it for you, that's taking. If your boss, your senior boss, and your boss is stressed out for the project and you say, you, what are you thinking? He goes, I do, I I really think we can get this in a couple hours. You know what? I'm going to give you my two hours today. What? No, let me do that. Wow, thank you. That's a giver. I I love those examples because I can think of those instances in my own work life. I can think of a time where each of those has happened. And I, I think the workplace is one place. I know we sort of touched on it earlier, but 
with the workplace, it is so different to see these dynamics in action than it is in personal life. Mm-hmm. Personal life, uh, I, that's where I really want to stress again, it is healthy to give and take. It is healthy to, to, to prop each other up to lean in on each other. And one of the ways you can do that in a relationship is find out what brings your friend, your partner, your family, your whoever that person is, what brings them joy? If you know that if you stop watching Netflix and you see them in the kitchen and you go and help them in the kitchen and they say, don't, 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 no, I want to help. Let's do it together. And because they're doing an act of service in that moment. And you go help them and you just talk. They're going to remember that. They're not going to say anything necessarily, but they're going to remember and they're going to feel very loved. Or you get off watching Netflix and you go in the kitchen and go, I'm gonna, what are you doing? I'm going to help you. No, you go sit down. I'm doing this. You made dinner. No, I'm doing that. That's matching. You made dinner, I clean. That's matching. If they say, no, go sit down. Go sit down. Enjoy Netflix. I'm really enjoying this. I like doing this. This kind of chills me out and gets me settled in for the night. That's giving. But to sit and watch Netflix while they're cleaning the kitchen and just go, good. Like, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not going to get up and help. That's taking. That's taking. So there, we could do that and go through every scenario. We could do this, the people listening, go through what's giving. Same scenario played out in three different ways. This scenario, who's giving, who's taking, and, and start to grow that muscle of matching. And you can even have fun with matching. You can, I mean, that's so much fun too in relationships to go, hey, you know, I'll do this if you do that. There's some of that playfulness that is really fun because it makes giving to one another uh, its life. It's got life on it. So this matching in a relationship and your friends at work, it is so worth it. And it's, it's a lost art. I do believe it's a bit of a lost art. And I hope this podcast resurrects it a bit in all of us. I'm really glad that you used the example a moment ago for matching of, well, maybe one person cooks the dinner and the other person cleans or something. But I I like that it illustrates that with matching, it doesn't need to be the same thing. And I know you, we said that earlier, but I think that's a really important, it's a really (laughs) important part of matching. (laughs) I know that I myself forget sometimes that just because I'm not doing the exact thing for them that they're doing for me, I'll feel like I'm not participating or I'm not a part of the reciprocity And I think it's a really important reminder that I don't need to give the same thing in kind back. It's just that there needs to be a match of some sort, but it doesn't need to be the exact same thing. I think that's a very important part to remember, and it can make matching uh, something that's more tangible for us if we remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, for the people that are givers – and they're feeling pretty burned out and feel like I just I'm with take I'm with a taker. I, I would say be bold and go to that person, friend, partner, 
if it's important to you and it's affecting you and it's it's affecting negatively your relationship, then you go to them and say, reciprocity is giving, taking, and matching. And in our relationship, I, I'm feeling like I only give. Maybe it's just my perception. But I, I want us to match each other. And I want us to give to each other so that there is no taking because we're always looking out for each other's best interests. Start that conversation and give give that relationship a chance to grow. Maybe there's old habits. Maybe you've never complained about it. And so they just assumed you loved it. Well, they love it. So, but it, it, so find the courage to go to your relationships where that you don't want to lose those relationships, but it's starting to wear on you and have those conversations, start them and, and see what happens because maybe it just, it just needs a little wake up call. It needs a little shake, shake up. <laughs> That's, I, I, I like the, the shake. <laughs> you, have, you have me chuckling over here over the shake up. And I think I, I like this message to end on this message of being bold. If you are somebody that finds that you are often a, a giver, I think being bold for matchers too. I think, you know, advocating for what you want and really having a conversation around what that reciprocity looks like in that relationship. I think that's a great starting point. All right. Well, that is our time for the day, our talk on reciprocity. Thank you for joining us. Uh, hopefully now you are able to identify where you mainly sit if you are a matcher or a giver or a taker and you have some ways that you can move forward in your relationships, whether they be personal or professional, and find ways to continue doing reciprocity well. Thanks for joining.